0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the Move podcast, talking about the Tour of Spain, sort of recapping uh, week number two, of course, a week that uh, <laughs> still sees the American, Sepp Kuss, in the red jersey. I think at this point, uh, which, of course, we'll break down as we, we have to start asking the question or thinking about it, uh, can he hold on, which would be incredible. Um, I'm joined uh, over there in Madrid by our sensei, Mr. Johan Bruniel. Seems like down the street. I'm in Austin, down the street. JB, we should just start doing these. You know, we're in the same town now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I heard. I've heard that. (laughs) And uh, 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 back in Greenville. That was the, the, you know, if you guys follow George on Instagram, it just, it just gets better and better. You know, Jizzy to the south of France, riding around with Cav. You know, dinners in Monaco. Always. Hey,
1: it's hard. I'm always working, always
0: working for the team. You know, somebody's, somebody's got to do it. (laughs) So good. Today's show brought to you by one skin. Are you tired of cycling through endless amount of trending skincare products that all claim to smooth wrinkles, firm skin, and give you a youthful glow, but sometimes don't really deliver the results at the end of the bottle? Well, support for today's episode comes from One Skin, founded by a team of four female PhD-level longevity scientists with over 15 years of experience studying the biology of aging, something that all of us on this show know all too well. Uh, After testing thousands of peptides, they discovered OS1. OS1 peptide is a scientifically proven peptide to target aged, also senescent cells the main source of skin aging and actually reduces the biological age of skin by several years. Here's the thing I love about it. Cause a lot of these things, it, they just don't absorb. Um, this one absorbs super fast, pretty amazing special offer for our listeners. You get 15% off. If you head to oneskin.co. it's not.com Oneskin.co. use the code, the move for 15% off. And like I said, last week 15% younger too. That's a deal. Uh, also today, what,
1: I, was, I was sitting at lunch the other day and our friends, our friends over at the feed were like, what are you doing different? You're doing something with your skin. So I got them on see. the one skin that got on, they ordered it right there at lunch.
0: Um, stuff really works. Also today brought to you by HVMN. We hear that fasting and exercise are good for the brain. HVMN launched the world's first drinkable ketone in 2017. Ketone IQ. Is their latest innovation on ketones with improved effectiveness, taste, and cost. Ketone IQ delivers clean fuel that can cross the blood-brain barrier, supplying your brain and body sustained energy, mental focus, and sharpness, putting you in flow that lasts for hours. It is no wonder that HVMN supplies ketones to more than 60% of the teams. In this tour of Spain, you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at HVMN.com slash The Move. Again, that's HVMN.com slash the move. One thing I failed to mention, we have a special guest today. A guy that, that, that we have a lot of history with, Johan, going back to, golly, all the way back to 2009 when we had uh, the Livestrong development team, of course, uh, led by Axel Merch. You had Taylor Finney uh, and you had D- Joe Dombrowski. Joe Dombrowski is going to join us on the show here. Of course, he is uh, at the Tour of Spain and it is a rest day um so we're going to catch up with him and get get uh just get some some real time intel on uh on what's going on and and i think we got to ask him about his fellow american if he if he can hold on but, um we all have our fingers crossed but johan what's what stands i i know you know we spent a lot of time on the show talking about your um your admiration i almost said man crush but i stopped uh for Remco. <laughs> Um, it, it's not going it, to, it's, it's just not going to happen this year, but, uh, but outside of that and outside of, uh, this big question mark around Sepp Kuss, and outside of the just complete Tom um, Dumbo Visma, what else sticks out?
2: Well, not much else. You know, it's, I think, I think this, this, this is the Jumbo Visma Vuelta. They're for the moment they're in first, second, and third. Jesus. And, and it, it. I mean, honestly, it looks to me like there's a real possibility that that's going to be happening in Madrid too. One, two, three, which I don't know if that's a unique. Uh, I, I think so. I probably, I think so. Most likely, I mean, for sure, they're going to do something unique, which is winning the Giro, the Tour, and the Vuelta in one year. That's already, for sure. We don't know yet who's going to win of Jimbo Visma. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the last week now where we go, we started in front of the last week and, and you have to ask yourself, you know, what's the mindset and the mood of the rest of the Peloton, you know, having to undergo this domination and basically being at the mercy of that team, whether a breakaway is, you know, allowed to go or not. And, and so there's still, there's still a few stage wins up for grabs. Um, but you know, at least one or two are going to be won by the favorites too. So um yeah, I've rarely seen such a domination in, in that way. Uh, I mean, you could say already before the race, you know, if you saw the roster, well, you know, this is, you know, at the end, they they, they have a double to the France winner. They have a four-time Vuelta winner and Giro winner. And, and then a few other really strong guys, but uh, I didn't expect it to be that dominant, honestly.
1: Yeah. You I yeah. remember in the preview show, you, you mentioned potentially having two Jumbo Griezmann riders on the podium, but we would never imagine having Seth Kuz leading the no. race after yeah. being the end, essentially the MVP of the season, top domestique mm-hmm. in the entire world. I don't think we've ever seen this in the history of cycling where no. you know you have one of the best domestiques on one of the best teams actually leading a grand tour, the last grand tour of the season, after doing
0: all the other two. Uh, ex- exactly. Just I was going to say, just a reminder, this is his third grand tour of the year, which mm-hmm. has been, it, 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 you know, guys do it. But they damn sure don't come in and do it and and win and potentially win the third one. Uh, and <laughs> we called them last. I mean, George, you were uh, in all seriousness. You were just there in, in Nice, where they held the Ironman World Championships. We we said it last week. I mean, he's 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 an Ironman. I mean, this is this has never been seen before. It's amazing. And he finishes you know, with a, a big goofy smile on his face. I mean, it's it, it, just
3: <laughs>
1: incredible. It's, it's funny you say that, Lance. We're talking about trying to recover after three Grand Tours where. I actually heard this weekend in Nice that some of the top Ironman, the guys, some of the favorites for the World Championship, skipped out of the Ironman because they weren't sure they'd recover in time for the Olympics. We're talking about eight months later. Obviously, the Olympics is a different format than the Ironman. There's drafting, it's shorter, faster. But yeah, a lot of the, some of the coaches didn't allow their top riders to do it because I didn't think they would recover and get the, enough training in time for the July Olympics. And we're talking about mm-hmm. back-to-back three grand tours and he's you know, the favorite right now.
3: Hmm. Wow.
1: And it goes, I think in my, it goes a lot, I've read an article from our friends in Belinda's, it goes a lot to how signed their scientific approach. I mean, they're not, le- they're not guessing that, hey, you know, let's give step a chance. They're actually analyzing his heart rate, his watts at the end of each grand tour going, he's still doing his best numbers. He's still there. He's obviously recovering really well. We're gonna let him do the Tour Bay. there's no guest
2: work anymore. With and they guys. they knew they knew before this race. I mean, if you if you look at the one of the first interviews of Primoz Roglic, you know, they were all talking, yeah, you know, you're the the three-time winner. Um he won it three times. I said four-time winner before, but three-time winner. And um, you know, it's you and Jonas and, and Primo said in his first interview, yeah, but Sepp Kuz can also win, huh? Wow that. So they knew that Sepquis was in great shape from the start already
0: and, and, and let's not forget the mental part of this thing and this team is riding such a wave it, it we guys we've been there right and and you just when the team is um is just crushing everybody else you know it, it, we say it a lot. I mean it's everything's different the the uh, the the morale and the vibe and the bus, the morale and the vibe around the dinner table this 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 team's just looking around going, anybody want some? Yeah. <laughs> who, who wants some? like, uh, dude, come on. I mean, it's, and, and, and I forget who said it last week, which is, I, I love the most is, you know, Seth just seems like such a likable guy and he's so um, just selfless when it comes to, to being the domestic that he is. It, it, and you're seeing, it's almost like these guys are are, are rooting for him more than yeah. he's rooting for himself. Mm-hmm. Like that is, Uh, to be able to, to, to support a guy that has only ever been supportive uh, and to really root for him is, is super cool to see. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, let's just, I'm I'm sorry, you know, I didn't mean to to interject there, but is that really the case? I was a little nervous about seeing Jonas attack and get, you know, the the 30, 40 second gap. I was wondering what was happening there. Um, Does he have one side of his family or whatever, saying you got, you got the legs, you need to go for this win. We hope not. It doesn't seem that way in the press, but we all know what a rider's like once they get into the action, into a hard mountaintop finish. Some Sometimes you can't hold these guys back. You can never hold Lance back. I know that. But uh, I would hate to see any sort of, you know, inter-battles going on within that well, team. It,
2: it doesn't look, to me, it doesn't look like it. I mean, I think I think Jonas is actually uh, very supportive of, uh, of Sepkus. Uh But I, uh, you know what, George? I, I think it won't matter because, honestly, in this Vuelta, I think Sepkus is actually better than Jonas Vingegaard. Like, uh-huh. he, he looks better on the climbs. You know, like, did you see how fast he came back on the Tourmalet with that yeah. attack, which was impressive? You know, but to, to show you how a team transforms, you know, like, look at the picture here behind me. You have Robert Gesink, you know. The guy had an injury at the beginning of the season. I think he broke his hip or his pelvis at the beginning of the season. He's in the end of his career. And man... It's the only guy you see on TV. He's riding, you know, hundreds of kilometers on the front, putting the herd on the peloton. So, you know, we all know how a team, once they are in the lead, the morale in the last week is amazing. And they basically impose their will on uh, on the peloton. And, uh, you know, whatever they wanted to happen is going to happen. The, yeah. The, well, the, the, the fact that
0: the fact that Robert Hessink is still racing, I think, is is maybe an entirely different subject, and and <laughs> maybe a whole other. What is he? Forty five?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think he. I think he turned pro in two thousand nine or two thousand ten. I think. Um, so yeah, yeah, maybe two thousand eight. I don't know, but anyways, he's yeah, he's been around a minute. He's in his mid late thirties.
0: Yep. Fun fact, a fun factoid, because, you know, Girona has become such a hotbed for cycling. I, I'm assuming he still uh, lives there and owns this. But I built this really cool place. George, you'll remember it. Johan, you as well. But uh, um, last I heard, he he, I, I did sell it to somebody else. And then I think Robert Hessink came along and bought it from that person. I don't know oh. if he still lives in in that really cool uh, apartment I built, but a fun little fact.
4: hmm. Mm hmm
3: now we probably should have uh johan get everybody up to speed here if you haven't caught the last couple of episodes of move plus with johan and spencer for obvious reasons a bit critical of remco and what's going on what are they doing was the big question mm-hmm. yesterday Worth definitely worth going back and listening to those last couple of episodes uh would love your thoughts george and lance on what's going on with remco he blows up goes for a stage win and mm-hmm. then that last stage where you're like what is he doing what is he doing what are your thoughts? Well, it's just, I'm still
1: a massive fan. He had one bad day. Uh, he wanted to prove to the world that he is still, he's still the best of the best, rode away from, obviously, they let him get a gap because he was so far behind, but still, to win a stage, drop Roman Bardet off his wheel, um, continue to fight instead of just bagging it and going home. I mean, mentally, that's really tough. You saw how emotional he was after that uh, bad day. For him to bounce back and win the stage, not only is it important for him, but for his team as well to, to keep the motivation going on for the last uh, seven, eight days of the Welta.
0: Look, I, I, I think we're going to have to, um, you, you see, look, he is amazing and, and he can win a lot of bike races and a lot of different kinds of bike races, but, uh, it's especially in light of the field, uh, the, his, his peers, right. His rivals, right. And, and the wealth is great. And the tour of Italy is great, but we all know that the tour de France is 10 times bigger. Uh, there's so much, um, hope and, and so much, uh, expectation on him for, for a race, to, you know, to win, uh, a, a tour de France for Belgium. And uh, I, I, you know, uh, that's a hard one to win. And it's a hard one to win when you've got guys like pogachar and Minga and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and all the others that are coming, um, the, it may not teams. be a race he can ever win. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that we, you have to start, um, and this is, look, we we have talked about this in the past. It happens every time with a young, great Belgian, that, that country, Johan, you're Belgian, you can speak to it. They they have, you know, they still remember these glory days, even though it was whatever, 50 years ago of Eddie Merckx. And boy, you get somebody to come along. He's the next Merckx. He's the next Merckx. That is not, those aren't just words, right? Those are very significant and, and heavy burdens to carry. A huge pressure. Sure. Uh, yeah, Huge pressure. And, and so you, 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 have, um, you, you combine that, right. The pressure of that with the weight and, and the stress and the difficulty of actually winning a tour, those two together, it's, uh, it's hard. I don't, uh, but no, he's I still going to win I a lot of bike races.
2: I think it's a bit early to judge his future. You know, I mean, listen, uh, he, he had one bad day. Uh, the day after he came back, I mean, personally, and, and once again, I'm going to be criticized as being a fanboy of Remco, but and I'm, I'm actually, I mean, I like the guy, but I'm not, I'm also critical of him sometimes. But what he did that day coming back and then this amazing performance going from kilometer zero, basically being in all the moves, dropping everybody and then dropping Romain Bardet. Uh, who was sitting on the wheel, basically? There's not many riders who can do that, you know? So I think for him, it's just a matter of finding that consistency, probably also calming down a little bit and looking at a three week stage race as being a race of three weeks and not 21 one day races. Uh, but more than that, I think that within the team, there's probably that they, they're gonna need some more experience in that field. I think that's yeah. a little bit, uh, you know, it, it's, 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 it, listen, Sudak Quickstep is a team. They were the specialists of the classics and the one day races and the sprints and the cross sprints for two decades, you know, in order to turn that around and have that other mindset, it takes a while. So they're going to get there eventually. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's, uh, let's bring on Joe Dombrowski, but before we do today's show also brought to you by AG one, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health, I truly do drink it literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I was tired of taking so many supplements and I wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers nutritional bases every day. I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, immune system support. I was sick of taking a whole bunch of pills and vitamins and I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I personally drink my AG1 in the morning, right right when I get up and, and get rolling. And at the end of the day, I just wanted to take control of my health like uh, so many other people have. We hear we hear tons of feedback about uh, how people love AG1 and how it it really has helped them uh, truly take control of their health, all for less than three bucks a day. That's a good deal. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs. Yep, that's five free travel packs. Head on over to drinkag1.com slash the move. Again, that's drinkag1.com slash the move. Last one of the day brought to you by Helix Sleep. We all know that sleep is, is look, I don't know. I love sleep. I don't know about you guys. George, you probably don't sleep too much as much as you get around the world, but um, sleep is a big deal. Uh, Helix has been a game changer uh, for everybody on this team I know. Um, George, you still rocking the Helix mattress? I'm, I'm pretty yes, sure. Of course, yeah, absolutely. That's so right. you 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 go on. You take you take the two minute sleep quiz. You talk about your sleep, what's good, what's bad, um, and all the characteristics. And they fully check this out. They fully customize your mattress. The lineup includes 14 unique mattresses, luxury models, mattresses for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. All these parents at home like, oh, my God, we're going to hack these kids sleep. They'll sleep more. Uh, every Helix Sleep mattress comes with a 15-year manufacturer's warranty and the same 100-night trial as the rest of the Helix collection. Uh, by the way, over 12,000 five-star reviews. Don't take our word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix Sleep is operating up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash the move. That's helixsleep.com slash the move.
1: Hey, Hey, Joe, everybody doing? Good good to see you.
0: We're we're, we're doing good, you know, we're not, but we're not in the middle of a grand tour. We're just, you know, (laughs) I I got up today. (laughs) Yeah, no, I got up early and I rode for 90 minutes, man. It was, uh, I think I'll recover all right
4: i i also rode for 90 minutes okay <laughs> but i don't know if i'll recover <laughs> that's,
0: that's funny uh uh joe how's uh uh you know we've been talking about the vuelta and of course the the one of the big things we we've been talking about is is not just Sepkus leading the race of course you're a fellow american of yours but just the herculean Ironman effort that this dude uh, really does and, and goes through for the team. You know, his third grand tour of the year. It's still in the red Jersey.
2: Pretty cool.
4: Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's really, obviously it's super impressive what he's doing, but I guess also in the context of the, he rode the Giro and the tour already. And I mean, you know, you've seen other riders ride all three grand tours in one year, but you know, to, to do it in the way that he's doing it, you know, it's not that, I mean, he wasn't necessarily riding GC in the Giro or the tour, but in all the crucial moments, he was there, you know, with the very best guys. And, you know, if you say, okay, I'm just going to target stages. And, you know, if you're not in the breakaway, you're not feeling good and you just sit up, you can save a lot of energy that way. But, um, the way he rode the Giro and the tour was super impressive, but also very taxing. And, um, yeah. To see him doing what he's doing now. It's, it's pretty amazing. I don't know. I, I don't know if historically anyone's really ever done something like that before.
0: Yeah. That, that's that. We were just talking about that earlier in the show that it, it and to your point, yes, guys uh, do do all three grand tours, but historically to, and, and by the way, this is the third of the three. It's I supposed to be one thing yeah. if you won the first one and just, and just goofed off the last two. I mean, to, to, to get to the end and be in the position he's in i, I yeah um, we'd have to ask our uh, our propeller head on our team spencer who's not here but he he would know but i i think it's safe to say no never been done i'm pretty
4: sure it's another not- thing i was thinking is has i mean i don't want to say anything too soon but to me it looks like jumbo's gonna go one two three here has yeah. that ever been done yeah.
0: I, I I I know we had you in the Zoom waiting room. It's almost like you were listening to the show, but uh, <laughs> if you didn't, yeah, that's it, Johan was. Uh, I think Johan, you're pretty confident that that this will be a one-two-three. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, has that? Uh, wh- wh- where was I know Onse back in the '90s was, of course, you know, a very very strong team, a team you were a part of, and, and the Tour of Spain, very important. The, uh, you guys had some good
2: runs at the Vuelta, but well, we had uh, one, three, four, one, three, four, one year, but not yeah. one, two. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I was there. I was there with you, Joe, on that year. That was a very tough year, but Joe, back that's, to that's, that's to, funny, George. I never saw you.
2: You must I have know been you didn't. Back.
1: I still yeah. had nightmares of all those yellow jerseys, which uh, Joe might be having the same nightmares on the front, just killing everybody. But Joe, back you to your use. race right now. What's what's your plan for the for the last week? Are you, are you factoring a lot of, it's going to be obviously super aggressive, a lot of breakaways, but Jumbo is so dominant. So you have to sort of pick and choose the riders that are getting, getting, get, going to try to get away because you know some of them won't even get the chance once they get up the road, you know that they'll get chased down. So are you actively searching who's going for the attacks, when to go? What's your plan coming up this final week?
4: Yeah, I think that um, in my opinion, Jumbo... You know, they have such a lock on the race now. And you saw the day after Tormelay that UAE tried to ride to do something that second day in the Pyrenees, but actually Soler and uh, I believe Almeida were actually dropping when they were pulling. So they kind of had to abandon that. I don't see Movistar really doing anything. Um, and I think that maybe other than the day, maybe Jumbo would want to win on Angli but aside from that, I don't see them really looking to control the race and, and spend energy for nothing. So I think that now that it's so clear that they're better than everyone else, um, that the race will be pretty open to, for the breakaways, you know, for stage wins. Um, so then it's just kind of circling your days and yeah, looking, um, to the right guys that, you know, you you know who is kind of strong and who's clever in the bunch, and I, I guess the only thing I've seen that was a little bit interesting was, you know, Remco was in the break the last two days, and he had mentioned in an interview, um, but also I saw this a little bit in the start that Jumbo didn't really want to let him go, and you know he lost that day that we started up Obisk, uh, he lost, I mean, thirty minutes, so he's well out of the GC, but it's almost like they're still a little bit afraid, that somehow he might come back. Um, so I don't know if that would be a factor, but beyond that, I think the race is going to be quite open. Um, and maybe, you know, one of these kind of iconic days, like you saw the, the day to Tormole. Um, I was briefly in, I guess you could call it a breakaway, but we never had more than like 15 seconds because jumbo rode so fast. In part, because I think they wanted to win the stage, but also because we heard on the radio that on the first climb that Ramco and Almeida were dropped, you know, and they see that as an opportunity to eliminate them from the race. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, the race should be pretty open and then just uh, try and be there in the breakaway and, and see what happens.
3: Hey, I'm curious. So just, uh, let me tee up something here. I, I'm real curious. Well, you can ask something about the race because I can wait on this. Go ahead. George,
1: no, I was just going to ask Joe which which days are you if you don't if you don't mind saying you don't have to sure. have to know your whole strategy. But which days are you thinking are going to be the best breakaway days?
4: I think tomorrow is a good opportunity. Um, we're kind of along the coast and it's lumpy up and down, and then it finishes. I don't know the climb, but it's I believe four and a half k, and it's pretty steep. Um, it's a really short stage. It's only 120 k. So I think that's a good chance. Um, Anglerou, if you can be there, uh, like I say, I think that that might be a stage that Jumbo wants to try and win just because, you know, when you have these kind of iconic climbs in the Grand Tour, sometimes the the big GC teams want to leave their mark there. Um, stage 20 is it's not really a mountain stage, but it's kind of always up and down. And I think it's more demanding than it looks on paper. And then, uh, stage, I'm not remembering if it's 18 or 19. There's another, I think it's either 18 or 19. We have a flat start and then, um, a few climbs and it's a mountain finish, you know, so that's another good, um, one to target. It's, I mean, it's never easy to get in the breakaway, but I do find it's maybe a little bit more challenging in the Vuelta because, the you know in the giro or the tour a lot of times you have maybe smaller roads more narrow roads you have a climb in the start um you know something technical where you can kind of say okay if i had to bet where i want to spend my bullets to to be in the breakaway it's there whereas i think maybe it's just the roads in spain a lot of times you're on kind of almost highways and the speed's super high. So it when you have a long flat start on a big road, it can turn into a little bit of a lottery as to, to who is there. And I mean you you do what you can to follow, but also if you follow everything, it's also possible you get there and then you're you're cooked once you're there mm-hmm. too. So it's uh yeah, always a bit of a, a gamble, I guess.
3: Well, I was just gonna tee up something. I think it'd be interesting. I don't think most of our listeners know the history of you guys, Johan, Lance, and and Joe going back over a decade. Uh thinking yeah. back on that, you were just a kid, uh, do you guys have any stories of like first impressions of either either way? Like Joe, what you thought of these guys coming in as, as a young kid, and vice versa. What did you think of Joe?
4: Yeah, I think yeah, I mean Probably at the time I was, I remember going to the first, you know, we, we used to have those Trek Livestrong training camps in Austin. Yeah, And I remember Lance would come and ride with us. And I, I think at that time I was really nervous, you know, cause you're a bit starstruck. Uh, but at the same time, you know, at that age, you always want to kind of show that you're strong. And I, I remember on one of those camps riding with Lance at the front and like completely half wheeling him and, you know, <laughs> probably you think like this little shit, but, uh, you know, I I, I, just,
0: yeah, I, I I love getting half wheeled. It's no problem. No big deal. (laughs) George does it all the time, right? Oh God. George half bikes, forget half wheel.
4: Uh, (laughs) But yeah, that was, I mean, to be, I, you know, I still, a lot of those guys from that team are racing in the world tour now. And I, I think a lot of us would also say that, I mean, I still enjoy what I do now, but, uh, it was probably the most fun. It, it was probably kind of like a a college experience, you know, like you're young, a lot of guys wanting to achieve the same thing. And it, 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 I really enjoyed my two years there.
0: Yeah. And we did some camps out uh, The the, you know, the riding's is okay here in Austin. It's not that hard, but did some camps out in, um, in California. Yeah. San Inez. And I remember doing some I think one day you just absolutely throttled us up the backside of what's that big, uh, Figueroa mountain. Figueroa. I was like, dear God, what, this is not, this is, <laughs> that was not fun. I was like, yeah. where's the, where's the team car? <laughs> Axel, get up here. I, I need to yeah. hold on.
2: Joe, I wanted to ask you uh, a question about, you know, obviously you you were on Strong and then you turned professional with team Sky. Mm-hmm. What, what year was that? Was, was that two 2000- thousand? 10 2013 oh 13 okay 13 so so you've been in there now for a decade and and we all see how cycling in the last decade has embraced the scientific approach and you know you were on one of the pioneer teams team sky Mm. back then was known for to be like on the forefront how have you seen the evolution uh i mean you've you've been on different teams you have been on sky you've been on uh garmin i think or was it cannondale or then, on UAE mm-hmm. and now on Astana, what has changed from when you started? Uh, you were in like the the ideal environment uh, scientifically and and mm-hmm. now has it become really such a general approach, and uh, is there still a big difference between s- s- uh, different teams
4: yeah, there's I would say that there's a lot of things that have changed. Um, I think that One of the things that I've seen is that a lot of things, and, and maybe this already existed. I mean, Lance and George could probably speak to this, you know, in the time that they were riding and, you know, maybe they were a pioneer at that time. But, um, I, I I think that as an example, you know, now all the teams have, uh, nutritionists and you see, you know, a lot of times you're at, at a hotel with two or three teams together, and you see that everyone is weighing the food on a gram scale, you know, and most of the teams are using an app on the phone and they see, you know, your power file from the day. There was a recommendation of how many carbs per hour you should take in the race. And then for breakfast, the food after the race and at dinner, you know, they're plugging all this in and, um, everyone is weighing everything and everything's quite calculated and in in general i've also seen that the quantity of fueling at least in the race is going up i mean it used i remember like when i first turned pro it was like 60 70 grams of carbs per hour then it was 90 now it's 120 and some people say 130 140 you can even do um so that's changed there's also been uh i think And this probably is somewhere something where different teams have made a lot more progress than others is, um, in equipment, clothing. I mean, if you look at the TT, uh, from Tuesday, I guess that Ghana won, I think he did 56 K an hour. If you think it wasn't that long ago that 56 K an hour was the speed for a team time trial. And he was Mm -hmm. doing that alone. And If you did 50, 51, 52 in an individual time trial, then that was quite competitive. And you see that the speeds now are just super high. Um, And I think that, you know, the bikes have improved. We've seen quite a difference in, for example, the last three or four years with tire technology. If you think, uh, it used to be that everyone ran Seven and a half bar, eight bar in the tires. I I guess that's like 110, 120 psi. And now most of the teams run a 28 or 30 C tire at four, four and a half. So it's super low. Um, And, you know, they say that the rolling resistance is much less. Uh, The clothing clothing is certainly faster. Um, So, yeah, I think there's probably just more monitoring. And I would say that um, probably the the level of the average rider in the world tour has gone up. right. and I, I think also that the level at the top has probably i mean, you see some of the climbing times you do now, and i mean we're we're going really fast. I also think that probably an underrated component of that is is the bikes. I mean. As an example, I saw, uh, it was on maybe GCN. I watched a few weeks ago. They did a test of a bike from this year versus 10 years ago on like a, maybe it was a six minute climb, same power, same rider, same conditions. And I think it was 15 or 17 seconds faster over six minutes. That's That's a lot, a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would say yeah, everything's probably just become
2: more calculated. Um, and, then, and then, as a follow-up question, Joe, uh, everything you say, everything's measured. You have to weigh the food. How can you still find pleasure? In, <laughs> that's what I was <laughs> gonna. Doing your job. I mean, obviously, you, you 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 do what you love. You know, it's I think it's a privilege uh, for everybody who can be a professional athlete and and do you know what he loves for for his job, but you know when i hear and i hear this from all the different kinds of sources, my question is how do you mentally also have to embrace that to be able to to cope with it and uh because it must be quite hard to be so such a have such a disciplined and regulated life
4: yeah i think and and it's becoming uh, i mean i think cycling's maybe getting less fun um you know, and and you hear that also just speaking even to some of the staff that, you know, they would say, because a lot of the staff have been in the sport for 20 or 30 years. And they'll tell you that, you know, in the past we used to get together with staff from other teams and, you know, we'd have a drink together and, and, and enjoy a bit. And that's probably gone a little bit by the wayside. And I think some of that really calculated um, way of doing things has taken over and Yeah. I think it's something you need to manage. Um, I think it's in some ways it's easy because now there's so much infrastructure in the teams with on the performance side that someone is there to tell you everything in terms of what to do. So you can also turn your brain off and just do what they say. Um, but yeah, like you say, I I mean, one thing that is going to be interesting to me is you see also now that young riders are coming in and winning races in the, at the world tour level already at 19, 20 years old. And I think that some of that, I I think the age is probably a bit overrated in cycling. And I, I think that people can perform from a young age to as long as they're still motivated, probably older than many people think, but at the same time, um i think that some of this phenomenon of these young guys performing so well is that i mean these world tour teams are signing guys already in juniors they already have a coach i mean i read a a little snippet of an interview about ayuso and you know that he's been working with a nutritionist for quite a while and if you if you think some of these guys they're just kids and I don't know when I was that age, I certain, I I mean, when I was 16, 17, I wasn't even doing road racing yet, you know? So it will be interesting to see if that is sustainable over a long period. And you could argue, I mean, if you're winning everything at 20 and then at 27, you say, okay, I'm, I'm tired of this. Then maybe that's okay too.
0: Yeah. So We've talked a lot about that on here. Just, um, and, you know, the, the amount of data and the amount of help that's available to these young kids that they're taking, uh, taking, taking them up on is in the intense pressure of this and how the whole thing is just faster. And there's there's more and more guys that are going faster. Yeah. I mean, are you going to see a 30 year old Grand Tour winner ever again? I mean, wasn't that long ago where people thought you had to be 30 to win one.
4: Right. Well, and I think that you just see it. A, a, I mean, how old's Primo is 34? 33, 33, 34.
0: 34 yeah. Yeah, very, yeah. You know, came to the sport. So, right? he, he has. Yeah. You know. I
4: mean, I don't think that there's any age range per se. I think it's also just how you can manage something and, and continue to love doing something and be motivated to do it. I mean, if I had a kid that wanted to be a pro cyclist and they were, you know, a teenager, I would probably say you're not going to have a power meter, maybe a coach. Certainly not. I, I mean, I think. And I think there's also evidence to back it up that kids that don't um, specialize too early. I mean, even look at Remco. I think he was playing soccer until not that long. I don't think he's been on the bike that
2: long. Yeah, 16, 17, 17, yeah. Yeah, and now he's, what, 23? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So.
1: When you get back home, Joe, in between races, are you living that strict diet or do you go out and have pizza and beer once in a while? Are you always measuring your stuff? I mean, how do you, how do you mentally approach the season?
4: I I don't like to, I don't like to measure. I I would say the only time that I'm quite in terms of like this phenomenon of, of weighing all the food, the only time that I'm really doing that is like in training. I always like to Mm -hmm. kind of stick to achieving a certain um, intake per hour on the bike in training. But after that, I mean, I think that if you kind of eat to when you're hungry, you eat and, you know, have what you want. I, I don't go crazy about that. I mean, some guys are probably a little more regimented, but also in the end, you need to be happy, you know? Yeah, for sure.
1: That's that's a big, big part of it. Also, what you were mentioning how much bikes, and equipment and measuring, all that stuff has gotten better. The nutrition has gotten a lot better. And you guys actually have to train your bodies to absorb that amount of carbohydrates. You can't just like our viewers just can't go in and, you know, pound hundred, some grams of carbohydrates an hour without probably getting sick. <laughs> if they go out right. tomorrow and do it, you, you guys actually train your bodies to absorb that. So it's just, it's a whole process. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Well, we're going to let you get back to your rest day, Joe. Thank you very much for joining us uh, mid-tour. Uh, it's really cool to have you on. Yeah, Thanks.
4: we're excited to watch I, you I, in the last week. I'm wondering, uh, do you guys think Seth is going to hold on and win this?
2: Huh. We were going to ask you, actually. I think yes.
0: I think, I, yes. Th- I think so. I think yes. So I just checked what he was. He's a minute 37. And at forty four two thirty seven, that's just going down the rankings. I, but,
2: I think I think he does. But what do you? Th- I mean, you're in the race, uh, Joe. So wh- how do you see it? And 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 what what do you think?
4: I f- I think he's going to win. I hope he's going to win because I think he's a nice person, and I just would like to see him win. Um, for me, the the big question mark was before the time trial because you know he's not a guy that's shown that he can time trial particularly well and. Remco is, you know, super strong in the TT and uh, the other big question mark, I, I was curious as to what was going to play out on the stage to Tourmalet because, you know, Sep was in the Jersey, but it seems like Primoz is the leader and, you know, what, how do you manage that situation if you arrive on the last climb with three jumbo, a strong Remco? Yeah. I mean, you know, do you wait for Sep? is, is Roglic allowed to attack, but kind of the way that day played out with, with Remco having a bad day, um, it's sort of just sorted itself out quite naturally. And now, I mean, I don't see any, I, I don't see him. I don't see his own teammates riding against him and I don't see anyone else really coming close mm-hmm. and he looks super strong. So barring any, you know, illness or mishap, I, I yeah. think
2: he's going to win. Yeah. I think, I think personally, if, if he doesn't have a really bad day, it's, it's his race. You can clearly yeah. really see that both Jonas and Primos, you know, they've won already grand tours and, and this would be like the ultimate sign of appreciation to, you know, and whatever they, whatever they do for SEP, it's an investment in What's to come? I mean, he's going to be eternity. Yeah. Right, right, right. He's, yeah. yeah, he's the, got the, a good, good memory. Yeah.
1: The only, Absolutely. The, only the only problem I'm, I hope does not happen is we get to a finish like Angry Lou and you got a guy like a Super Remco, which he's been uh, a lot of places and is just trying to go for the stage when it's someone like Primos or Jonas are the only guys that can hang with him. That's, we hope that doesn't happen. That's the only possibility that I see. I mean, he's the I guy don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. he had, Top I don't see it
2: happening, George. I think yeah. I think SEP has. To me, from what I've seen, Sepp Kuss has shown that he. Uh, I would say you know maybe, and I'm not sure. Maybe Primoz Roglic is probably the strongest, but closely, closely after him it's Sepp Kuss. I think Sepp Kuss is stronger than Vingegaard. And uh, you know, whenever Primus goes with uh, or or goes with the uh, Remco, I mean on the Angli Ru, it's everybody for himself. There's you know, he can clearly go. I mean, let's not forget, you know, when when Primoz Roglic won the Vuelta two years ago, they did the Angli Ru. Who had to wait for Primus Roglic? Sepkus. He was mm-hmm. he, he he paced him up the Angli Ru. So I think that's a good well, sign. The other thing is what we've seen thus
4: far is that Remco in wanting to win stages has been looking to do it from the breakaway. So, I mean, anyway, if he's five minutes ahead, then I think it's kind of a moot point. And I, I mean, he certainly has the ability to win from the bunch if he wants to, but then the onus is on quick step to control. And the team is, I mean, they're not as strong as, as Jumbo for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what gears are you going to use on the Angerloo? What's your gear in? I did the climb only one time. Maybe the last time the Vuelta was... No, because I didn't do it in 2020, maybe 2018. And I think I had a 34-32 or 36-32. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a grind. Yeah. Now, now the standard cassette is 34 in the back and we have a 40 up front. But I think you need a 34, 36 up front. All
0: right. So, so, so for the listener at home, that pretty much <laughs> means, uh, let me, let me just make this real simple. You you guys are going up and on a mountain bike. I mean, there's just, they, that, 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 that that's
4: mean, the only, I, only I way to get up. I don't think it was it. actually ever a road. I, I believe it was like a, a, a track that they paved.
2: Right. I, I remember I, the first time the Angliru was used in the Vuelta was 1999. You know, of course, the technology on bikes was not the same, and we were forced to put triple chain rings on uh, the night before. And uh, I think uh, they were riding 32, 27, and only five riders of the team because we didn't have enough equipment. And then ooh, the other guys, yeah, that was yeah, yeah, those were the days. <laughs> you don't want to be in these other three. <laughs> no. No, no, you don't want to No, There were four. It was nine writers back then, but, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, thank you
0: so much for taking time coming on. Thanks here. Show.
4: Yeah. Best luck of luck, of, Thanks, best, yeah, best good, of luck in the final
0: week. We'll Thanks. be watching. Have a good one. Okay. Thank you. Thanks buddy. See ya. What a sweet guy.
1: Yeah, so he's always
0: you know, is a smart kid too. And yeah. They, you can, they, they've all, yeah, you can really tell that that's always yeah. been, um, the word on the street, as they say, but what what a what a great kid!
3: Well, we do have an opportunity to win a brand new Ventum GS1, their gravel bike, uh, at the end of this tour. Just like we did with the Tour de France, uh, we did ask a trivia question midweek, uh, just a few days ago, and we'll go ahead and give you the answer to that. In 2017, George raced Cape Epic mountain bike stage race in South Africa. Who was his teammate? The answer was George. Am I
1: supposed to say it, or we're holding off? Yeah,
3: you could say it. This was from, oh, from oh, yeah, Thursday. I got it.
1: That was uh, Christian Vanderbilt, right? From no, Mario. this was, oh, with was Cadell. Cadell. I thought it was
0: I Cadell said the Cadell. same thing. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it was Cadell Evans.
3: <laughs> well, well, I did it the next year with Christian. Then okay, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, and th- th- these are some people are having to dig a little bit deeper on these questions. Uh, today's question, and you'll email it in, I'll give you that address in a second. In 2018, Lance raced the Odyssey Orcas Island Swim Run event. What was the name of his team, teammate that year?
0: Ooh, I know Ooh. the answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. year, wait, uh, by the way, what year was that? 2018?
3: 2018. Yeah. I have
0: yours ago, it feels like it was yesterday. Yeah. Look Here. up
3: that answer, do it, find out the answer, whatever means you, it, it takes. It doesn't matter. Get it sent in today, send it to uh trivia at ventumracing.com. And they'll draw a winner of the correct answers each day. And from those we'll grab a winner at the end of this tour. Perfect.
0: All right. So we're back. Um, not next Monday. We're gonna, uh, we're back next, of course, the right. race, uh, um, the race finishes Sunday. We're going to jump right in and do a show on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know best of luck uh best of luck to sep Kous. see if he can hold on I, i'm uh you know we start talking about the angleroo and I, that's that's i've never done it so i can't really speak to it but the stories coming out of that climb are epic so hopefully he can he can hold on and and we'll have something fun to talk about next week he'll be fine oh there you go you, you heard it from the guy that knows more than anybody else on this show <laughs> so <laughs> all right thanks for tuning in we'll see you guys in a week